0: Please dive in. Hey folks, welcome back to the Uncivilized Podcast. This is Trevor Boehm, your host. Today I got a firecracker of a man coming on. This is Jay Ferrugia. If you don't know Jay, he's been a powerhouse in the fitness industry for decades. And I was introduced to Jay by two of my closest friends and guys who have been on this podcast, both Matt Del Negro, if you remember his episode, and Joe Sheehy, who's the CEO of Cured, both of these guys are like, you got to interview Jay. And I'm so glad I did. As I said, this guy's just his energy alone and the, the intensity and passion he brings to fitness, to business, to living a kick-ass life, it is not just inspirational, but he also drops a lot of really important knowledge in here. And if you hang out till the end, I ask Jay about how he sets up his day. And this is really valuable. Uh, I took a lot away from it. Uh, the way he sets up his day, and the reason why he's so intent on doing it that way is phenomenally powerful. So buckle up for this one. He's a, a great guest, and I love this conversation, and I know you will too. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Jason Ferugia. Jay Ferrugia, welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. This has been a long time coming, man. Uh, we were just sharing beforehand, we have a mutual friend in Matt Del Negro, Amazing guy, been on the podcast, love him to death. He was the first one, I think, who introduced me to you. For my audience who may not know who you are, or what you do, I know it's an American question, but would you mind giving us like your, your 30-second dirty elevator pitch?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate it. My, my pleasure. Here. Loved your book, like I told you. So yeah, I started when I was 19, back in 1994, started in strength and conditioning, just grew up a skinny, weak, insecure kid. And wanted to fix all those things, so became obsessed with training. You know, grew up watching super superheroes and, and pro wrestlers on Saturday mornings, and uh, wanted to be this larger than life kind of guy. So I got into it, got obsessed with it, and I was known as one of the people who kind of helped popularize underground warehouse style gyms. You know, decades before CrossFit, uh, all the unconventional methods like we had sandbags, and sledgehammers, and chains and tires, long before it was popular. We did all the outside strongman training. Um, so I kind of got known for that. and then I was one of the first people online. To have like a fitness blog. I was one of the first people online to, have, uh, to sell my own ebooks, my own programming. Came out with a book uh, in 2007 with Penguin on uh, strength and conditioning for, for fight sports. And uh, then I wrote, my, uh, wrote the Hard Gainer column in men's fitness for about 10 years and then became the, the chief training advisor of the magazine. And then I transitioned from the gym to online stuff and that was i was 15 years in the gym training tons of uh, high school college pro athletes and regular people like us and then and then eventually what happened was i moved to la to kind of reinvent myself and during that time there's a lot of things like in my head and my heart and self-limiting beliefs and Mm. all these false narratives that i wanted to uh, kind of fix you know that i'd never addressed before i was kind of it sounds crazy now like in the world we live in but i never thought about personal development until i was 33 it was just like Mm. Hey, this is how I am. This is how my family is. We're this way forever. Don't even worry about that. Like, let's just focus on business and whatever else you can control. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I really did this massive reinvention and really worked on myself in LA. And I went there knowing three people and I left 10 years later with literally probably 200 numbers of people that not everyone was a close friend of 200, but like a lot of cool people. And, you know, I became known as this super connector. And what I started to do three years into it was I started to do, you know, similar to what you do is it became more, my events were more than just strength and conditioning. They were like uh, just for men. And it was, uh, you know, the stuff that I'd gone through addressing those self-limiting beliefs, those false narratives, mm-hmm. connecting with a tribe, uh, you know, creating that space for guys and, and, and addressing all the things like physical strength, mental strength, emotional strength, relationship building, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, you know, all those things that, as you know, the work is never done. You know, right. once once you are once your eyes are open to it, it almost becomes addictive. Like, how can I get better each day, and all this stuff. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at now: these podcasts and a bunch of different things. But way it. more than 30 seconds. But
0: yeah, yeah. I just love people's stories. First of all, Jake, can we go back to when you got to LA? What was the driving force between behind diving inward? And the reason I'm asking is, it feels like the male culture is just the outward presentation, six pack, Porsche house model life could not, there could not be anything else to do. Like I've done it. I've done the work, but I imagine you and I know dozens and dozens of men who have that checklist who are also miserable. So what, what was it for you? If you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit with the audience.
1: Yeah. So, so I, you know, I started training when I was 12 and I graduated high school five years later, 147 pounds, six feet tall. Uh, so I wasn't getting anywhere, so I but over the next decade, I got up to I walked around at like 225, 227. It was one day, hit 231. I thought I was huge, but I was really just fat, you know. Um, <laughs> but I was strong, like, I was uh, like right. my numbers back then were pretty, like, I could bench 315 for 11, like, that was my kind oh, of wow. but, you know. So, um, so but I built this hu- huge kind of suit of armor and I got all tattooed up and everything, so I looked mm-hmm. different. But I was still hiding what was inside. It was like that scared little boy, that insecurity, that weakness, mm. uh, that, that sense of entitlement, that the world owed me something, that, oh, my dad didn't tell me these things that I should have known, like blaming other people, you know? And then, so, dude, at 19, I was making six figures. So all of my wow. friends, you know, they're making 30 grand, 50 grand, whatever, out at, of at yeah. college a few years later. So, okay, dude, Trevor, you want to go, uh, let's, let's go out to the club in the city bottle service on me all night. If you're making 30 grand, I'll cover it. You want to go to the hard rock suite in Vegas? I got it. Don't worry about it. Cause I wanted everyone to like me because I was so insecure that I was trying to buy friendship and buy love from everybody. And, you know, like maybe certain, not maybe, but you know, love and things that I didn't get that I wanted growing up. Um, you know, stuff like, uh, like, um, in in the no more Mr. Nice guy book or things that you've written about, you know? Um, so, so I'm, I'm trying to buy this, buy that. And at 31, And I I started making six figures at 19 and went upward until I was 31 bankrupt, broke, zero dollars, blew it all from just stupid addiction, partying. So half of my family, so my mom's side of the family is Scottish. They love to drink. My dad's side of the family is Italian. They love to eat. So I could eat, drink, party, get in fights, do all the stupid shit, you know. So I call my mom at 31, tears in my eyes. And I go, mom, can I come move in with you for six months? She's like, what? She goes, I know how much money you've been making for the last right. decade. And I go, I know, but you've also told me a million times that I'm blowing it all and I blew mm-hmm. it all. Like, you know, like you said. And so that, that was a real wake up for me, you know, like yeah, moving in does. there. You're eating humble pie. You're you're digging in between the seat cushions for, for quarters, eating bagels and potatoes for a few mm-hmm. months. You know, that that was that was something. <laughs> so I get to that point, you know, I turn the business around, go through that worst period ever at that point. Although you know, now uh, I wouldn't change a thing. Blessing and disguise, sure. you learn so much. And then a few years later, you know, my eyes were open to, to these problems and these things. And I was like, I kind of got on this journey. I, I, you know, people often ask me, was it one thing? And I don't remember. I think it was the culmination of meeting certain people, going to certain events, reading certain books that people recommended. I remember reading Fre- How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, I don't know any of this shit. Like, I don't do any of this. I'm terrible at this, you know? Right. And, and so... Then I just realized one day I was trying, like I was on a journey for about a year or two and I was like, I think I got to get away. I know that environment mm-hmm. triggers behaviors. Mm-hmm. And I had, I, this, this, Henry Rollins quote came up about, you know, moving out of your hometown and reinventing yourself. And it just stuck with me. And I kept like looking at that quote and I was like, I got to get out of here. As mm-hmm. hard as I try, I know that if I go to my mom's house, the old me is going to come out. And if mm-hmm. I know that if I drive down this same road, I'm going to have these same thoughts. So I had to move as far away as I could to the other side of the country, get out to L.A. and uh, give myself a fresh start. And, and mm-hmm. you know, people sometimes people are like, well, you can't run away from your problems. True. But you can give yourself a new environment, a new fresh start. And that's what I did. I 100 yeah. percent went all in on, OK, all this is left behind. You know, that's why I have a snake tattoo, because the snake represents like shedding your skin and moving mm-hmm. on. You know what I mean? And that's what I was trying to do was leaving that all behind. Uh, those 36 years were behind me and I was going to reinvent myself and every day work on these things, push myself out of my comfort zone, try to get better. And then also I realized that I was internally focused for 36 years like how can I fix this? How can I make more money? How can I get bigger and stronger? And when I got to LA, I kind of had this thing about like how can I help other people? How can mm. I connect people? And that that was a game changer for me.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, man. I really appreciate the honesty. Anytime I've worked a buddy or a client, through, okay, you're going to try this thing. What's worst case scenario? Worst case scenario is 99 times out of a hundred. I have to move back in with my parents, Yeah, right? So that's like no one's stoked yeah. when that happens. Yeah. How, how did you not let that be the thing that crushed you, but let it be the thing that kind of uh, ramped you into this new iteration? Do you remember any, any of the thoughts or what you were going through back then? And the reason I'm asking this is, Jay, I say this in every podcast, So many of the guys listening to you right now are in transition or they're about to be in transition or worse, they're fighting the fact that they're in transition. So they're living at their mom's house, but they're still like living in their heads in the glory day like or or beating themselves up because that's where they landed. How did you not let that move crush you?
1: You know, that one, I wish I could give you a specific strategy. That was more innate where, you know, oftentimes I talk about like, man, I struggle with so many things. There's not not many things that I can even think of that I'm good at or that I was gifted at. But that one was kind of DNA where I've just always been super competitive. Mm. And I grew up just watching a lot of stuff that would always fire me up, you know, the Rocky movies and, uh, you know, all all this kind of stuff. And I always just, like, I was always into sports. And so I like taking a loss. Mm. I like it. Like, because I think you you learn from a win, but I think you learn more from a loss. For sure. Any time... Someone tells me you can't do something, you know, that kind of bojacks mentality or any time I take a loss. Like recently, we, we did this thing with our business uh, not too long ago and I had a goal set. And in my mind, it's guaranteed. Right. And it was we literally hit 50 percent of what I wanted. Mm. And at the end of the, the week, I was like, what the fuck happened? And the next morning, my wife, Jen, was like, you're so happy about this. I was like, mm. fucking awesome. I love that we had that loss because now I wouldn't have seen all those blind spots. It, it, right. in retrospect i should have seen them all but i didn't sure. maybe i was comfortable whatever so i need to fix this so i've always liked the loss i've always kind of had like you know that michael jordan that kobe that mama mentality that's the one thing that i have had you know just inherently through my dna so i, I just got to my mom's house day one i was like mom get ready like i'm going in <laughs> savage mode i'm going to be working uh, 24 right. 7 you know and i'm just grinding i'm getting out of here and i'll pay you back and so yeah. To this day, I you know even with the craziness that's going on in the world right now, I kind of look at it as okay, how do we get stronger? How do we fix it? What do I do? Where's the opportunity here? You know, people are like my friend the other day, a close friend of mine who I should connect you with. You love him, uh, said, dude, people, you know, everything, uh, something was happening. Like a few people no showed on him and this to him, screwed him in these business deals. Like man, people are getting weak and scared. And I said, Mm. not me, son. Like I got bit by a radioactive spider. I'm getting fucking stronger in every way every day. I love it. You know, like. I like adversity. You know, you, you got to just yeah. flip that. You got to flip that switch. And and I and, and love it. Yeah.
0: Okay. So you get to LA. Yeah. And now you're, you're for the first time, almost, it sounds like you're service oriented rather than personal oriented. How old are you at that point?
1: Uh, so when I got to LA I was 36 or 37,
0: 36. Yeah. It's, it's curious that that's a time for a lot of guys when they start to actually shift their mindset a bit what was the, like, what was the new iteration that you wanted to bring forward? So you still wanted to be in the fitness industry. You still wanted to be helping people transform themselves. If you can go back to that time, what was the change or what was the change in the process or in the, in the message that you were putting out? Like, what do you think changed or shifted around that time?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, like, like I mentioned, I got there knowing that, man, I have all these false narratives, all these self-limiting beliefs. And I I started to see, you know, there's a cliche of, You're the people, you're the, uh, some of the five people you spend the most time with and all that. Sure. And I really didn't have a good circle around me, you know, in retrospect at home. So that was one of my main things there was to really surround myself with good people and, uh, because like, just push myself out of my shell. Like I was always so socially awkward and quiet and and just like nervous and insecure. So that was really what I was working on when I got there. And so I, I signed up for improv classes at second city. Took improv for two years, which was a game changer. I think be right. required in high school and college. It was just epic. Like, first day I was in class, in a half hour, I go, Oh, why didn't I take this in high school? Like, I just knew it was great, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then so I took stand up comedy classes. And then what I started to do was like just push myself. Cause, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, as well as anyone, like guys need community, guys need tribe. So I was like going on meetup.com and I would just mm-hmm. go out, like, my wife would even joke around. It was probably three weeks in a row where I would just go to the beach to go surfing or hang out. And I would come home to my wife and say, oh, I just met a new friend. Oh, I just met a new friend. And she was like, can I let you out without like coming home with someone's number anymore? It's crazy. (laughs) Like all the time. And the funny thing is that was 11 years ago. Two of those guys are two of my best friends these days. But like they they, they tell funny versions of the story when I went up to them on the beach and they're like, I don't really need to be hit on and this and that. Right. I was just like, hey, this is not things that guys do. Guys don't typically go up to another guy and be like, hey, we should be friends. I was like, let right. me be the guy to do it. Let me push myself out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And then I, I mentioned right in there, another thing that I did was I was always terrified of sharks. Got to LA, started taking surfing lessons. Mm-hmm. Meet me and Matt would go surfing together. We lived in the same building. And so anything that I could think of that was holding me back, that I was scared of, I was like, let me start checking these boxes off. Let me start doing this stuff and getting out there and then also realizing that the kind of cool people that you want that are living the way you want, operating, thinking the way you want, they're not coming to your front door. So I started going to event after event, after event, you know, prior to that, it was just going to like West side barbell events and things like this. Right. That was my, that was my career. You know, I went to every one of those, but now it was like, let me just go to business things and meetups and and, and men's events and whatever, and be the guy to leave there. You know, most people go to an event, they meet someone cool. You're like, Hey, Trevor, we should, we should get together. Peace. You never see him again. Right. Right. But here's my card. Yeah, exactly. I started this system of just, like, collecting everybody's info, contacting people. And if, like, you were mm. close enough, I'd be like, bro, let's have coffee Thursday at Corus, mm. uh, like, 12. You know, like, and, dude, my schedule in L.A. was filled, just meeting people, meeting people, meeting people. To, like, a few years into it, we had a UFC party at my house, and there's 30 people there, and every one of them was someone that I was a fan of, authors, mm. pro wrestlers, uh, pro athletes, actors, like uh, big business influencers. And my friend Jay, one of the guys that I picked up on the beach, comes over to me and he goes, dude, look at what you've done since you've been here. Like, this is crazy. You should be so proud. And I actually teared up because mm. growing up, I always want, I'm getting goosebumps now talking about, I always wanted to be the cool kid that everyone came over. But like, yeah. no one was coming over to my house. Like I was just a sort of kid. And like, I can almost cry now. Like, it sounds crazy, you know what I mean? I'm 47, yeah. but like, Everybody that I thought was cool, like made it their uh, job to come to my house on the Super Bowl, to my house on the UFC, and like I was like, like that's what I always wanted. Like it was my fantasy as a kid. You know what I mean? It sounds stupid and silly, but Mm. it was cool. Like I pushed myself, and now like that's the thing that makes me happiest in life is like having these amazing relationships with all these cool guys and everything like that, and always being there to help them always being there. Like, it's just, I mean, you know, you know what it's like, but it's, and if you haven't had that, it's crazy. You know, I have had that for right. 36 years. So. Right.
0: Cool. Jay, if we could, let's, let's transition a bit to fitness. I know it's, it's stuff that you talk about day in day out, but for guys especially who have found themselves now, here we are what 18 months into COVID or however long it's been going like, ah, shit. My gym is closed or I've lost my motivation or I'm just not really happy and and I'm I'm having some trouble getting the ball rolling. What do you recommend? Not a program, not a, like you got to be benching, but like, how do you talk to clients when they reach out to you and say, I get it. There's a million fitness programs to follow. It doesn't matter which one you point me to, I'm having trouble just getting off the couch. How do you get well, well, to
1: that? Well, that's the first step. Because I think everyone has this misconception of, I got to go from zero to 100. Mm. I got to like do this one-hour, or two-hour program six days a week. And I have this conversation with personal friends or just random strangers at, at the grocery store or whatever all the time where it's like, man, how about this? Literally do five minutes. Or do mm. one minute. Do one set of push-ups. Do one set of bodyweight squats and find something to like pull yourself up on. Do one set. And then 48 hours later, do another one. Like if you're doing zero, then one set of five reps is way better. And mm-hmm. what also what people don't realize is it doesn't take a ton to get in shape. Like if you, if you want to like compete in a sport or uh, bodybuilding, yeah. But for most people, what they want does not take a lot. And so I won't do anything dramatic if you're starting out and you're like, hey, this is my diet. I'll be like, okay, let's just eat at home more. And like these things that you're eating out, just make those at home. You don't even have to sub the highest quality, organic, gluten-free ingredients. Just make them at home so they're not sneaking in like all those sauces and canola oil and all that kind of junk, right? Right, right, right. And then, uh, you know, but like I said, for for working out, dude, what is super simple? Do that, like five minutes. A a female friend of mine the other day was like, oh, I can't get motivated. And I told her, do me this favor. Work out for five minutes, four days this week. And Mm -hmm. she's like, oh, I did it. it was easy. And so I just gave her those three things. I said, I want you to do a leg exercise, an upper body push, an upper body pull. And if you have time, we'll do some kind of like core ab type thing for one or two sets each. Right. And she did that. And she's like, all right, now I can do more.
2: Mm.
1: Like if, if you start with like, oh, I got to drive 20 minutes across town to the gym, warm up for 20 minutes, work out for an hour, cool down for 20 minutes, drive 20 minutes back. Like, right. no, you know, you got to make it super simple. So what can you do at home? You yeah. know, even if you're listening to this on the couch, get off the couch and do some stuff. Anybody yeah. can do anything. And I kind of like the idea too of building movement in throughout the day. So mm-hmm. maybe you're super busy. Maybe you have three jobs and three kids and whatever. Okay, so you don't even have a 20 minute block. Well, right now, just do 10 push ups. An hour later, do 10 squats. <clears throat> an hour later, take a break and go outside and, and walk the dog for 20 minutes. And then, uh, you know, an hour later, do 10 pull ups. Whatever it is, like just little breaks throughout the day are actually better for some people to do
0: that. Yeah. A thousand percent. I think it's, it's people make that first step the, okay, I need a six day a week program. I need to be meditating. I need to be starting with green juice every morning. whoa. whoa, 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 whoa. 10 pushups. Start with 10 pushups. Hey folks, hope you're loving this conversation with Jay. I certainly did. I want to remind you that we still have a couple spots left open for the retreat coming up in Costa Rica over Christmas, or actually December 27th through January 3rd. It's me, Jeremy Goldberg, Lila Dilla, and a host of other people who are going down there to change their lives, to relax, to get on the beach, to do some surfing, and to dive into some deep transformational work with the three of us. If you're interested, check out Lila's website, L E I. L-A-D-Y-L-L-A, LilaDilla.com forward slash the dash unfolding. LilaDilla.com forward slash the unfolding. And we'll see you in Costa Rica. All right, back to Jay. Yeah, Jay, you've, you've been in this game for ages. How do you feel about what, what, in my professional opinion, seems like the proliferation of a bunch of bullshit on social media That's very well marketed where it's not actual functional fitness. It's not actually fitness. It's just someone who's probably on some juice and looks great and is tanned and has a Photoshop machine, you know, Photoshop and is now pitching products. How have you seen the evolution of that? And what do you think the the detriment of it is?
1: Mm. So uh, I'm going to approach it two ways. From a professional standpoint, I don't care at all. Because I think if you are a professional and you see someone else who's in your profession succeeding and they're not qualified and they're cheating or they're doing whatever, fucking great. And you should be doing 10x what they're doing, you know? So I don't believe in any kind of jealousy or resentment. Like that should show you what's possible. If they suck, then you could step up your game, you know? So that doesn't bother me at all. Now, from a consumer standpoint, I get it. It's hard. Like you don't know who to believe, you don't know who to trust. A lot of people, like you said, it's bullshit. Um, I would say that if someone doesn't have, a, a long track record. The, the reality is you have to train people in person a minimum of five years before you can train people online. I would mm. say maybe 10, you know, mm. no one wants to hear that, but at least five. So you have to have a track record. Like, look, does the person have a track record? You know, see what people are saying about them. Do they have legitimate testimonials? But also, do they have a kind of foundational principle? Do they have like theories and process and things that you could look back five, 10, 20 years, they really haven't changed? Because nowadays, if you see most, most of these young people coming up, it's like they change with the wind. Oh, this study said this. This study said that. Oh, this new influencer, influencer said this. So I'm just going to skim their information and copy and paste what they're doing and hodgepodge it all together. Um, you got to have you know that consistency. Like if you look at my stuff, you go back to my column in Men's Fitness in 2005 or something. I'm saying very similar stuff mm-hmm. and I'm repeating it all the time, all the time. And then also anything that would apply to basics, to sports, to fitness, whatever, you got to have the fundamentals. Like if if you, watch sports, you you can't go more than an inning or more than a couple plays in football without some cliche about the basics and, you know, play small ball and defense wins games. And I I have pictures of Bruce Lee in my office, like, you know, fear (laughs) the man. I I, I don't fear the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks one time, but one kick 10,000 times. Like people do shit because it's sexy and you always got to change shit up. I don't believe in that. I'm like, "Hey man, I do the same I eat the same seven foods. I do the same exercise all the time because I'm on the journey of achieving mastery, which is not mm-hmm. cool anymore, but you know, mm-hmm. maybe that's a function of being 47 or whatever, but I like basics repeat. Like, you know, we always hear the cliche that um insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and again and expecting a different result. I would say that's bullshit. Kobe would say that's bullshit. Bruce Lee would mm-hmm. say that's bullshit. Every great artist would tell you that's bullshit every successful businessman, Warren Buffett would tell you that bullshit. Right. Keep it simple, get used to doing mundane, repetitive tasks over and over again, but getting really good at them and measuring and tracking. I yeah. think you know, th- that's the foundation of anything. So, make, so again, you know, if you're looking at who to trust, if it, it's got to be simple. If it's complex, I wouldn't really trust the mm-hmm.
0: person. Love it. What, what are your seven movements, if I can ask? Oh, seven foods. There's seven foods.
1: So, I, well, I have, I have basic movements, but uh, seven foods. So, I just eat mainly beef, bison, yak, elk. I eat uh, green veggies, fruit, mainly berries, yams, bone broth, uh, dark chocolate, and
0: applesauce.
1: <laughs> I love applesauce. <laughs> I don't know why I'm obsessed with applesauce. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: the applesauce revolution is coming in. <laughs> that's 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 my
1: dessert every I night. Love like, it. Three tablespoons of applesauce and a square of dark chocolate.
0: I love it. Okay, let's chat if we could about mastery, because I, I agree with you. I uh, been a martial artist my whole life, i have, mm. have found the that there's so much depth in all of the fitness movements that seems to get lost, right? It, just slow it down for a minute and see what happens. yeah. What inspired you to to go that route in the face of the ever-changing holy shit, there's a new gimmick every other week. Why do you think you personally are attracted to mastery? And what would you recommend to guys specifically listening to this who are like, but, but, bro, I like every six weeks to go like new machine, new idea, new this, new that. What are the benefits, in your opinion, of mastery, even though it's harder to achieve?
1: Yeah. So, so years ago, so we, we hear about um, anomalies like Tiger Woods and the Williams sisters. And the reality is, if you play more sports, You become better. So in in Russia, they have what's called the process of achieving sports mastery, P A S M. And they used to laugh at us with early specialization. So as a kid, you should be exposed to a lot of things. And really, you know, in other countries, you're not allowed to to specialize and work on mastery until you've had all these different experiences. So you get to be 17, 18. Uh, but there does does come a point once you've kind of you know had that diverse experience where you want to dial in you know, back to Warren Buffett again, he has that rule is 95, five rules. Think of 100 things that you want to do in your life, cross off 95, because you'll only be able to do five well. So, and that's really hard because people have FOMO, you know, they're they're Mm -hmm. missing out. But if you really want uh, success, less anxiety, more measurable results, you've got to just do fewer things. You've got to do less. And so Mm -hmm. I had that kind of early exposure in fitness where I tried every single thing. I tried every diet and I didn't try it for six weeks. Like, I would try things for a year and mm. like every diet, every training system. So I knew, and I would even have guinea pig clients working on this stuff all the time. So I did everything and I realized, hey, at the end of the day, simplicity wins coming back to just doing these foundational movement patterns of, you know, push, pull, squat, hinge, lunge, rotate, carry, uh, those foundational patterns. Mm. And then, and then realizing that not everyone, and earlier in my career, 10, 20 years ago, I would have said everyone should do these one or two variations of those, but now I realize, you know, through time that everyone has a different structure, a different body type. So, you know, your squat and my squat might be different. Maybe you're doing a safety bar squat with heels elevated. Maybe I'm doing a, you know, a, a kettlebell front squat, or maybe mm. I have access to really good machines and I'm doing a pendulum squat, but, um, there's basic movement patterns. And that's the thing too. There's not a lot of good exercise. So all these people who are changing all the time, uh, a, you're going to be more banged up. When you find the movements that are good, like if I went head to toe and picked each body part, I'd have two that I could do that I, that A, fit my structure, that don't hurt my joints, that don't hurt my hips, don't hurt my lower back. They align well. The resistance profile matches my, my body strength profile. Some, some uh, body parts i will have five, but there's really very few. So when you see all these cool exercises, that's a numb nuts approach. Like that's how you're always going to be sore. You're always going to be aching in pain. Like, you need to find the things that work well for you. Like, there's no pitcher that has 18 different pitches. Mariano Mm. Rivera was the greatest uh, relief pitcher ever. He had one pitch. So you find a few things that work well and do them repeatedly over and over again. And then, you know, add a half-pound plate to each side. Add a one-pound plate to each side. And if you like variety, because I get it. Like, I've been training, you know, 30-plus years now. I get it. So I can't do the same exact thing for six weeks in a row. But what I'll do is I'll take, like, those three to five movements and I know, okay, then I'm going to do one or two of those each time I hit this body part. Next, I'll, I'll do one or two. And then I'll, I'm, I'm just working through that rotation all the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll put them in different order, but I'm not going to say, oh, let's make up all this whacked out clown shit because I know <laughs> what the, the result is going to be, which is going to be zero or I'm going to be aching
0: and pain, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Man. <laughs> Jay, what are some of the myths around fitness that you would just love to see get dispelled or get eliminated? Yeah. Your top three. I
1: think that, uh, that it has to be really, you know, to, to, to what we were talking about earlier, like 10 minutes is better than nothing. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be super grueling. It doesn't like anytime I post a picture of myself in my forties with visible abs, people are like, Oh, you must train two hours a day, seven days a week. And I go, dude, in that picture, I didn't do cardio for a year. I did Mm -hmm. zero cardio for one year. So you don't have to kill yourself. If you're eating right, that, the other thing too that people don't realize is, a, I think a lot of people know it's nutrition, but it is nutrition first and foremost. But if you're not sleeping, then forget about the perfect diet or training. That comes first and foremost. Then we got to reduce stress because if you're filled with the stress hormones, which are our cortisol and adrenaline, you're not going to get anywhere. You're, your body's just in a bad state. you're gonna you're gonna look softer, you're gonna accumulate fat around your abdominal area, if your cortisol yeah. through the roof. So we need to address sleep. We need to address uh, stress hormones. And we need to address nutrition, and then your training really just has to support those things. Like most people are already stressed out, not sleeping enough, anxiety ridden. So, do you right. think it's a good idea, idea to go to the gym and do a thousand reps of snatches and run in circles and not take any rest period? That's just going to send all those stress hormones higher, and all those stress hormones, even though it sounds like you know a little extreme, but that's what leads to cancer and heart disease and all these things and chronic illness and you just getting the flu every other week. Right. Um, so, <laughs> training needs to be less like a rocky training montage and it's way simpler and easier than people think like a lot of times people come train with me like i want you to kill me and i'm like no dude here's what we're going to do and it's going to be kind of simple i'm going to make you're going to work super hard but you're not going to be carried out on a stretcher so i I think it's like people just think it needs to be super hard it needs to take a long time uh you need you know access to tons of fancy stuff you really don't it it, it could be really simple and i'll rest two three minutes between sets like i'm not Mm. rushing around I think people just make everything too hard, but that's, that's life in general. Like, right? like from the day we're born, we think life is supposed to be hard. Everything's supposed to be hard. Business is supposed to be hard. Like right. you wear it as a badge of honor. If everything's not hard, if you're not working 19 hours a day, you're a slacker. You know, if you're not training mm-hmm. to uh, laying in a pool of piss and blood, you're a slacker, you know, it's like,
0: <laughs> and, and I will be, I'm guilty of coming up through CrossFit and running a CrossFit gym for a number of years and then realizing like, wow, a lot of people's adrenals are kind of fucked up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. <gasps> whoopsie, yeah. my adrenals are kind of fucked up. Yeah. Uh, this isn't the way we really want to go. Totally. And, and realizing there's a much more holistic way to approach everything, but it, it feels like the pendulum is kind of swinging back that way of, you know, God bless Gary V, and most people aren't doing 18, 20 hour days, and God bless Jocko, but most people can't get up at 3.30 in the morning and have a productive day. So do you feel like like a holistic... I don't even know what the, the paradigm is, is emerging, or are we still, you know, the extreme sell, right? It's, sure, it's, yeah. I, I puked twice during my workout, like, awesome. Tell me what you did is, is, is far more sellable. It seems then you know, I just had a great day. I lifted some weights. I feel strong. My joints don't hurt. I think I can work for the rest of the day. I can play with my kids. Do you feel like that that's coming back around or are we still battling the. I, yeah, you no know, it,
1: it, 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 it's hard to say because I think people need to kind of determine, like, what do you want out of life? What kind of life do you really want for yourself? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, on one hand, I don't like to glorify the hustle and whatnot because, like I said earlier, like, I'm in, I'm a Northeast guy. It's in my DNA, so I could totally relate, relate to Gary V. Gary like, I got Relentless tattooed on here because I do like going hard. I like working hard. I like training hard. But I also like, like, one of the biggest compliments my friends give me, a lot of my friends who make seven, eight figures and are super successful are like, man, you have more fun than anybody I know. And, and you laugh more than anybody I know. And you have a better social circle and a better social life than anybody I know. Mm-hmm. So I like to go super hard, but not to the point where everything else suffers, right? Like I try, even though balance is a myth, I try to you know, keep it balanced. Like keep my sure. diet in check, uh, but keep, I like to train hard, but some, some, some of my friends who are seven to 10 years younger than me and are genetic freaks, like they just know I'm not trying to compete with them anymore because right. if we're away, let's say we go on vacation, we go to the gym before we do our day of hiking and you know, whatever fun we're going to have, I'll be crushed. Like my friend Luca, like everyone in his family is a professional athlete. He's seven years younger than me. He's a genetic free. So he'll go to the gym and he'll train for 90 minutes. And at 45, I'm like, I'm out bro. I'm going to shower. I'll see you at the pool or I'll, we'll meet up on the hike or something. Cause right. I'll be crushed. The next day I'll wake up. Like I got the flu. So I don't have that anymore. You know, right. Like you got to try to, I think check yourself and know what your limits are, but like anything, you don't really know your limits until you push them until you get to that edge. Right. Um, but you know, to your original question, I think there's more and more people kind of putting out that information Mm. that you don't have to burn yourself out. You don't have to burn the candles. Like I forget what, uh, what business, some business magazine, their website had a really good article on how sleep is now the, uh, the new badge of uh, honor instead of just grinding all the time, you know, uh, and I think a lot of people are putting out smarter training information, where they realize that, look, uh, I mean, well, I'm not going to get too crazy into like the st- studies and scientific stuff, but there's there's definitely a lot of people putting out information that like, hey, man, just some basic strength training is good, and it gets you where you need to be. You don't need to be yeah. doing all this crazy stuff, you know?
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. I had, uh, if you know, Dr. Kirk Parsley on.
1: Oh yeah, well, he's
0: yeah. right, amazing, yeah. amazing dude. And he just dropped like 90 straight minutes of of sleep data and yeah. knowledge. I think I said two words in that interview, which were like, uh-huh. And yeah. thank you. Uh, yeah, and it awesome. feels like, you know, th- the data was there. If you're not sleeping, you're you're operating at 25% or 50%. And I don't care how cool you think that is. That's just dumb. Uh, amazing, dude. So I, I appreciate you mentioning that first when I said like, what are the myths? And you're like, well, sleep. We actually yeah. do need sleep in a country that, I had a buddy tell me that there had been something like 7 billion Red Bulls sold since the start of the company. And I was like, the poor adrenals of this planet. Uh, I hope that shifts. Jay, if we could shift directions a little bit, I would love to pick your brain on, and I know I actually hate that sentence, but said it. How have you incorporated your fitness mindset into your business? And what are some of the, that not, let's just call it the tactics per se that have let you had a sustainable business and not have the sort of entrepreneur spasm and then crash and then respawn. And I know obviously in the beginning there were some starts and fits, but how do you approach business as a fitness guy?
1: You know, I kind of say the same things over and over again, but those are the principles I believe, you know, keep things simple, look at what are all the things we could do you know, a- anyone who owns their own small business or an entrepreneur or whatever knows it when you wake up in the morning, man, there's a million options, right? So we got to figure out what are the simple things, what are the things that we could do repeatedly over and over again, and also not get into the comparison. Like, that's when things can really go right. For me personally, and a lot of people that I've worked with is they say, oh, well, this guy's doing this. I could do that. And I've done it plenty of times. Like, mm-hmm. oh, my buddy's doing this. I think I could do pretty good at that, too. Oh, I could do a great job at this, too. So you get distracted. Like if you have that shiny object syndrome, you really got to have a mission. You got to be focused and you got to stick with things just like with training, right? You got to stick with something. Like if you shift gears in your in your business or you try to do something new, you can't say in six weeks that it didn't work. You got to give it six months or a year of really grinding, you know, uh, which I, I just don't think, you know, across the board, people don't have patience really anymore uh, mm. to stick with things. So I, I think those are important things. And then Mistakes that I made early on, which I think any small business owner does, is, makes is I was the guy answering the phone, I was the guy cleaning the toilets, I was the guy writing the ads and you know training people. Um, so I, I would say, you know for anyone listening, get over like read, read, read the e-myth and like make, yeah. stop making those mistakes as soon as you can. Like the sooner you could outsource, automate, delegate stuff, definitely yeah. do that because those are huge mistakes. Now I feel like I'm off on a tangent, not answering your original. It's okay. It's
0: all all brilliant information. I think, God, that book should be given to everybody who starts a business off. Yeah. Of how much of your time are you spending not doing the thing you actually started the business to do? Yeah, Uh, yeah. I think think we
1: all need to just check ourselves and be like, okay, Hmm. am I doing? You know, am I outsourcing this eighty percent and focusing on the twenty percent that only I could do? Like, only you can write the book, only you could be behind the microphone, and I'm guilty of doing that too. And sometimes it's just laziness. Like, shit. By the time I find someone to do it, teach them how to do it, I could have gotten it done. But then you're in that purgatory forever, you know? (laughs)
0: Right. So if you guys listen to this, outsource. Yeah. Outsource everything that's not your genius. Uh, I appreciate that. Jay, can you you've mentioned Bruce Lee? You've mentioned Michael Jordan. You mentioned Kobe. Who were some of the other, like when you were early in this game, who were the mentors? Who were the guys you were, you were, you were not not heroes, isn't the right word, but like who were you looking up to and what were the qualities about them that really attracted you to them? So as a kid,
1: you know, at at first obviously I was into cartoons and stuff, but then when I got into my teens, my walls, you know, had had uh, Bob Marley and Dr. King and Malcolm X mm-hmm. and uh, Bruce Lee and Jackie Robinson, which was all due to my mom. Like my mom marched with Dr. King, you know, uh, and you know all this stuff in the '60s and everything, like a hippie and all that kind of stuff. And so I grew up as a kid, like looking up to these people on my walls, and was always a huge fan of like all that kind of stuff. And then in terms of business and fitness, Dave Tate uh, became a really close friend of mine. Like Dave stayed at my house multiple times. And Dave, you know, you know, David is obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Dave, uh, was, was just so impactful in my career. Helped me so much. Alan Cosgrove as well. Do you know Alan or no? Mm-mm.
0: I okay. don't know that name.
1: Um, so both of those guys, really close friends, huge, huge, uh, mentors to me, helped me out during my hardest times. I'm trying to think who else early on. Those two guys really stand out that that was a few years into it, but no one was, was there for me more and gave me better advice. And, you know, yeah those two guys stand out the most, really.
0: Jay, it sounds like, you know, you've got the the list of people on your posters are are revolutionaries of sorts. Yeah. Do you feel that kind of energy in you or do you feel that attraction to that?
1: Yes. Yes. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because for 36 years or for 33 years, whatever it was, I didn't really believe in myself at all. But now I wake up every morning and I'm just running through walls and I'm like, what can I do? Who could I help? you know um like you ever see that uh that video of of puffy where he gets the the mtv deal and he freaks out and says savage and all that that's why i wake up every morning just (laughs) like give me something you can't do i can do it and it's Mm. crazy because i had zero belief in myself for all those years but i've just done the work you know and like now i just have that belief in myself so you know to your question do you feel like a revolutionary or something yeah like the world's going to shit right now so yeah, anyone around that needs a leader, I'll be the leader. Like, if the mm. zombie apocalypse comes, I'll lead. Like, I'll be the guy to take charge. Mm. And I'm not like, I don't have like a military background or anything, but I sure. just know human nature is if there's 10 right. average people sitting around, nobody's going to do it. So I'll do it. Like, that was like when I took improv, I was like, the two years I'm here, I'll volunteer. I always put my hand up to be the first person up there, you know, like just yeah. stepping up. Like, when you push yourself, when you condition yourself to do that on a regular basis, uh, I think life gets easier and then you just get used to it. And like you said, I now my confidence is through the roof, 24-7. Like yeah. my confidence is through the roof. I can't believe it.
0: Jay, what did you take specifically from improv? I've done it and and agree with you. It should be like, oh, are you single? Go to fucking improv. Yeah. Not because you're gonna meet women, but because you're gonna realize how you can how unskilled the general population is at navigating the unknown. Yeah, and how improv sets you up for that. What was it about improv that, that you took away or one of the more valuable lessons from it?
1: Well, so we, we have all kinds of stand-up, uh, I'm sorry, uh, public speaking classes. And you have yeah. stand-up classes. You have all these things that teacher had to, had to talk, had to talk on a microphone, had to type whatever, but no listening classes. Mm. And listening is an essential <laughs> skill. It's like a superpower. Like if you're a good listener, you could meet someone at a party and just be a really good listener and put the focus on them and ask them the right questions. And you might talk to that person for two hours. And like you said, you might say five words, like you said to Kirk, but that person will say to a mutual friend, man, I've talked to Trevor for two hours. He's, it was amazing. He's amazing. He'd be like, dude, I barely said anything. I just had to like three questions, you know, but that's the reality because people yeah. like to talk about themselves in conversation. People speak about themselves 60% of the time. Mm. And if you can get that person to do that and to make that person feel fascinating, captivating and intelligent. And you resist the urge Now, this one's really hard, but if you could resist the urge to say all the cool things you're doing and add yeah. something and be like, hey, well, I did this or I do that mm-hmm. or try to one up them like that person will think you're the coolest person ever and they'll want to do anything for you. So it teaches you listening skills. It pushes you like everyone's number one public fear. I mean, I ever, everyone's number one fear is public speaking, right. public speaking, but also you're making fast decisions. So if you, if you ever talk to someone who's uh, someone who's in Hollywood, they'll always say, oh, I made a choice. And I used to the first couple of years I lived in L.A., I was like, what do you mean you made a choice? Like You have to make a choice like what your character is going to do. Is your yeah. character going to have an accent? Is he going to talk really loud? Is he going like, to be kind of creepy and awkward? Whatever. So you have to make a choice. Immediately. So if you and I are on stage and, and the audience says we're working at Baskin Robbins, um, you say something to me. And well... First of all, I have to say yes and. So it teaches right. you yes and, which is huge. Just the biggest. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Most people say no to everything. And you could right. even go back to March of 2020. And if everyone knew how to say yes and, we'd mm-hmm. be in a different place right now. Because mm-hmm. everyone wants to say, no, I disagree. No, I disagree. No, I disagree. That's an essential life skill, but that's an essential business skill too. Like, so let's say you hire someone. They're on your team and they're doing great. And they walk in, they say, Traver, I think we should um, change the book cover to royal blue, and, yeah. and you might think that's the worst idea. But instead of saying no, Jack, that's a horrible idea, you go okay, Jack. I-, I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah, so okay, blue and this and that. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, and and you think that's good. Yeah, blue's the color. of mask master- like when you're a baby, you know, you wear blue versus pink and stuff like that. You know, you work through it, and then eventually, maybe at the end of the conversation or two days later, be like, Jack, I appreciate it, but I still think we're gonna go with black. But if you just said no, that sucks. Like you kill re- you kill all relationships. Right. So again, if you and I just met at a party and I go. Pearl Jam is my favorite rock band. And you go, oh, you can't understand what Eddie Better saying. (laughs) Then you and I are going to have this wall up, right? You know what I mean? (laughs) But If if you're like, if you just think of like, well, I don't know anything about Pearl Jam, but I remember once I know Jeremy. So you say that and we start talking about Jeremy. Great. You know, like, so it teaches you those essential life skills that you're never taught. Um, And again, to go back to, you know, making a choice, making a decision. If you want to be a leader, like I said, like if the apocalypse hits, I'm going to raise my hand and go, I'm going to lead us, guys. I don't know what Mm. the fuck we're doing, but Mm. I'm going to make the choice to do that. It teaches you that, too. So I think there's so many essential life skills that I wish it was required throughout high school and college.
0: Yeah, I I had to do it for some uh, for a a speech training. And I remember the first time I teach her how to do it. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I do not want to do this. First of all, I'm terrified of being embarrassed. I know I'm going to fuck up like it's part and parcel. You're going to fuck up. Yeah, And third, like, I don't want to be put in these uncomfortable situations. Right. And now, thank God they had us do it. I, th- I think it's immensely, immensely valuable. So and great. the yes and, holy shit, do you catch people yeah. now saying, but? Like, I'll listen to someone and they'll go, yeah, but. Yeah. Like, you just negated, every- or like, here are all these exactly. great things. Yeah, I loved having you on. The interview was amazing. But, like, everything <laughs> <Yeah>. I just said <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> was
1: just oh. now negated. Yeah. Uh, You know what's cool, too, is I do, uh, like when I work with teams, like when I work with the Dodgers or whatever, I'll get 100-something guys doing improv and getting out of their comfort zones, and they love it. They have the best time. It's cool because aside from the the skills that I just mentioned, it also just, you know, you have fun, you laugh, and laughter is the fundamental universal sign of connection and safety. So anytime I'm Mm. doing an event, like if you bring a a group of strangers together, a group of men, let's say you get 15 men that don't know each other. You gotta break the ice. Like if we just go super hard, everyone's gonna be like, what the fuck? Like if you break the ice and people are laughing, then everyone feels kind of safe. They feel more connected. Like Eddie Murphy said, once you get someone to laugh really hard, you got them forever. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's a million quotes about like jokes and laughter and how it does connect people. So anytime I'm doing something, I bring that. Like I make sure we're having fun, we're laughing before we get to the serious stuff. And sometimes just breaking it up for a change of state. Like I've had events where guys, like guys have been marines and be like, yo, I never told anyone this in 38 years, but here's what happened when I was six. And we're mm-hmm. like, holy shit. And then we take a break and we come back. We're like, hey, let's do some improv stuff. Like, like right. a little bit, you know, because you can't just do that kind of stuff for 12 hours straight. <laughs>
0: You're just so, elbowing you know, people in the face yeah, for 12 yeah, hours emotionally. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. Jay, what do you have coming up? What's inspiring you? What, what do you got that's sort of like keep driving you forward right now? Anything on the horizon? So, so nothing big,
1: just really the commitment to what I've been doing, just doing mm. it better. Right. So it's like, okay, there's been, uh, you know, back to the 80, 20 and the simplicity. I think that's why I love to reread, uh, you know, Bruce Lee stuff or, mm. uh, uh, the 80, 20 principle or essentialism or the one thing is because we all kind of are distracted. There's too many options. There's too many opinions. So I reread those books all the time, at least quarterly to check myself. And just recently, I was like, "Oh, I started getting distracted. Started doing a few too many things. Mm-hmm. Let's dial it back. Let's say no to a few more things, and let's double down on. Let's how can we make the podcast better? How mm. can we make our coaching program better? How can we make our live events better? And I love being on stage and speaking. So how can I get better at that? Mm. Uh, those are really the things. Like nothing new and you know crazy that I haven't been doing for years now. Pretty much the same stuff. Just like trying to get better at it." And, and reduce the amount of things that I'm getting distracted with. and we do have another event coming up uh, in December, so I'm excited about that and then awesome up you know, there. yeah.
0: One last question for you, and I, I know it gets asked a lot, but my audience always seems to be curious about it. Would you mind sharing just a little bit of like a typical day in your life if you have one or a part of your routine that you have found to be valuable just for you and guys can either take it or leave it?
1: Yeah, so, so my life in LA for ten years is very different than it has been you know, the last year due to just moving and not having my crew around. So normal things like I have non negotiable So every day I have to train that might not be a hard lifting workout, but I'll be conditioning or even if I go for an hour paddle boarding. Or something. So I'll usually lift four or five days a week to some kind of mm. condition. So that's a non-negotiable. I have to eat four healthy meals. That's a non-negotiable. I have mm. to read 10 pages of a book, always 10 pages and not, and not nothing on a screen. So a physical book have to do that. Meditate for five minutes. And I take a five minute cold shower. Those are five daily non negotiables that I always do. Wow. Then I have a morning routine where when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is put on my pump up play mix. And it's all these songs that program my mind for the day to be unstoppable and to be you know, a superhero and all this. So I'm playing that while I'm brushing my teeth while I'm making coffee. And then I'll read a passage from either the Tao Te Ching mm. or uh, Epictetus. I'll read one passage of that. Yeah. I'll just, do, I used to have a longer morning routine, but it started like, Yeah, not it wasn't great. I was just like kind of having a negative impact, it was too long and drawn out. Yeah, yeah, so I do those things, and then I'll just quickly write in a journal, and then I do my most important task. So, for whatever that is for business now, during that time, I'm not reactive. I think if you start the day reactive, the whole day is shot. So, I want to be proactive, Mm. meaning I have all blockers on my phone's off, there's all blockers on. So, even if I want to check stats like uh sites that we're making money on, whatever, I can't check any of that. I've used freedom and all these different apps, it's just What's the most important task? Set a timer, boom, go all in on that. Then I get outside. So I'll just do that for an hour and then I'll be outside shortly after the sun comes up because I like getting sunlight uh, on no shirt, no sunglasses, sunlight on my skin and my eyes. Uh, And that's really like my my morning routine right there in a nutshell. And then later in the day, I'll be reactive and do stuff. And I need to reply to, check social media, email. uh, But I don't do anything before 10. So no matter what happens, even if Michael Jordan and the rock said, we both want to come on the podcast that day. It's not before 10, because like the cliche goes like, you know, that we talk about like the airplanes going down first, you have to put your mask on first. I've just found out if I don't do those things that I mentioned to you, if I don't take care of myself, if Mm. I don't keep those promises I made to myself at the end of the day, I'll be bummed out. Even if the rock and MJ came on the podcast that day, but I had to do it at nine and I get all my shit in. Like I know I'll have stress and anxiety. It sounds crazy, but I'm like, fuck. I didn't do what I promised myself. So I don't do anything before 10 because I give myself that six to 10 block. Everything's done. And then it's good. And then for, for, for three years straight, we didn't do a zoom podcast. They were all in person in LA. So if you came to do the podcast, everything's done. So if you come over at 12, we might hang out till six, we might hang out like she, you, know, you know anything about pro wrestling? Do you know Seamus by any chance? No. Okay, so Seamus is a multiple-time world champion. He's, he's a big Irish guy. He's a good friend of mine now. So he came over at 12. At 12 o'clock that night, we were still hanging out. We were drinking beer at an Irish bar across the street. And now he's a good friend because I knew that this is going to be a vehicle to build great relationships and hang out. Yeah. So I don't want to have that stress and anxiety of, like, Oh, Trevor! uh, You got to get running here. I got to do something else. It's like, dude, you want to go to the beach? You want to go train? You want to go eat? You want to go hang out? Like, I want to build this relationship, and then also want to know how can I help you? Who can Mm. I introduce you to? How can I connect you? What do you need? No, and so you know, those are some some of the founding principles that you know my my day is kind of based around.
0: I love it. This may sound like a simplistic follow up question, but I'd love to kind of dial in. How did you get to the point where that? those four hours were sacred. And it wasn't the like, well, it's MJ. Well, it's the rock. Well, I really wanted to, cause, cause I I've heard this before and, and have my own routine and no guys were like, I did it for six weeks. It fucking changed everything. And then I, I backslid a little bit. Yeah. What if you could just leave us with this last bit of, of insight of what has kept that so boundaried for you?
1: Well, I think this is a good uh, time for a callback. You know what a callback is in comedic terms? Mm-mm. It's when oh, you go back and stuff, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So a callback from earlier, although it's not comedic, is uh, when I talked about taking a loss. So mm. I broke that uh, kind of contract with myself enough times and I took a loss every time it wasn't worth it. It was like right. I got to the end of the day and I was like, fuck, man, I didn't read 10 pages today, or yeah. I didn't get my workout in today. Or whatever it was. And I was like bummed out about it.
2: Mm. Like every
1: time I was bummed out about it. No matter what, what happened. No matter how great it was. I was always bummed out. Like I just like to hold myself to a higher standard. Yeah. And I like to keep those promises to myself. So every time I took a loss. I don't like taking a loss. I like to win. I like to stack wins. So that's mm. really what it took. you know. So I get it. Like everybody falls off. I mean we're all human. We all sure. fall off our diet. We fall off training. We fall off routine, team. Whatever. But look at it like that. Like, what is the result? Like, you feel bummed out. You're not happy about it. So yeah. you got to just stack those wins. And then that just bleeds into everything else you do. Now you have more confidence. Now, if I do those things, I'm a better guest on this podcast or I'm a better host mm-hmm. if you're on mine. I'm a better mm-hmm. friend to you. I'm a better husband to my, to my wife. I'm better mm-hmm. the person I meet at the grocery store on the street because I'm not so anxious and stressed out. I'm just right. like, hey, man, how you doing? What's going on? Like, I'm better in every single way. So I need to think, so it's not just selfishly too, like part of it's selfish, sure. of course, but it's also like for everyone else around me, I need to be taking care of myself so I can be my best for them. Mm.
0: I love it. It's, it's super powerful and a super great way to end. So I appreciate you sharing that. I think that's the nugget that I know a number of guys are going to take. Jay, if, if guys want more information on you or your training or want to work with you, where do they go? Where can they find your information? Where can they find your podcast? Where can they find your books? Where, where are you spending time these days?
1: yeah uh j.fit is my main site i um, active on instagram uh, most active on instagram which is at jperugio although i got my first warning this morning with all the censorship going on so who knows how long that'll last oh <laughs> just because i told people to uh eat healthy and train hard and take res- take personal responsibility but you can't wow, say that how dare point. you yeah wow.
0: <laughs> yeah wow that yeah. sounds pretty toxic
1: <laughs> yeah uh the podcast is renegade radio um that's it
0: Beautiful, brother. I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on. This has been amazing. I look forward to chatting with you again in a, in a week or so as well. Cheers, oh, yeah. brother. Thanks so much, brother. This is Trevor Bohm signing off on another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please give us a share. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you're interested in getting a hold of my book, Man Uncivilized, whether you're a man or a woman, please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get reading.